we know what it's like as competitors to run to the mirror as soon as you wake up on contest day and you're either thrilled or mortified in how you look. I had a client who between pre-judging and finals decided to combine two meals because they were so hungry. And I could tell when they got back, you know, my only option was to give them bad news. One of the best contest appearances I had almost ended in a catastrophe. I had some steak and a potato. About an hour later, I was spilling over so much. I, you just, just grab spillover on my abs. It was just a literal disaster. If your coach gives you a burger and fries, just ask him what oh. macros, and then you'll know your answer if it's the right move or not. Let's look at the big issues that could cause problems and wipe them out. Hey everybody, welcome to Contest Prep University. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson, still running along in our series on the frat house edition of, of CPU. And once again, we're doing that because we want to take a little bit more time to dive into some of the deeper nuances of topics. And Adam and I have talked perpetually, the entire podcast premise is about contest prep, but peak week, the very specific needs and changes and adjustments and monitoring that you do in that final week or 10 days or two weeks, however you define that that final coasting into the show, I, I think are always the most tumultuous. And in 25 years in addressing this and writing about it, Adam, I, I, I never hesitate to give this preface first, which is we know how important this is. We know as competitors how our bodies can look incredibly different meal to meal day to day. I still have clients competing in a couple days. And as I'm making those decisions through peak week, every time I see a video clip or a photo from the morning or the evening, and I, I feel really compelled to make some kind of change, I get a little nervous. I think, okay, wait, let me, let me compare that to the next set of pictures. Let's see how you look in the morning or this evening. And then putting all of that in context, putting those puzzle pieces where they belong, you can make much better decisions. Yet, we know what it's like as competitors to run to the mirror as soon as you wake up on contest day, and you're either thrilled or mortified in how you look, because you know there's still a lot of question. Nothing is completely defined. There's no protocol you can follow that's going to be perfect. So as we like to say, it's all about management and how you're creating those variables, but, but this week, I want to talk about the, avoiding the catastrophes, kind of in the vein of the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. So you can't have a platform to excel and look your best at that contest if you're rolling the dice, doing crazy extreme things. And, and I first want to pose this question, Adam, and I'll, I'll kind of give you my answer and then let you talk about it. We spent a lot of our careers bucking the the trends or the norm of just just bro approaches and in, in what I would call the old school classic model of peaking, which is kind of a rapid backload, major 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 depletion on the front end, low low carbs or zero carbs, high sodium, then drop the sodium, drop the water, all of those things with that great big quote super compensation carb load, and I we always talk about the dangers of that and how most of the time people look horrible and they cannot recover from it in time, but who does it work for? 
And there has to be somebody that it works for enough times to stay in the mainstream. And, and just as a context for what we'll discuss this entire podcast, somebody who perhaps could still be a little bit tighter might benefit from that depletion phase early in the week. You, you get a little accelerated body fat loss and you're doing a lot of work and you're, you're literally depleting your body. So you're probably going to look tighter than that person who may perhaps not overload on the carbs. They don't eat so much that they're unable to assimilate those carbs. They're, you know, they, they don't spill over and then perhaps they get just enough water. They're not doing too much water depletion, so they don't get totally flat. The, the, some people can probably still pull this off. I would argue that doing things better, they would probably still look better than that. Um, but those are the, the, the stepping stones, I think, that get most people stuck in this rut of looking for something very, very extreme toward the end of the week. And, and we're going to talk about why that may not be the case, but, but let's just start there, Adam. Is, is there anybody that you see right now that you would say, I, I still think I can be pretty aggressive with this person. We can do something that's going to completely alter the way they look for contest day. I won't say it's going to be a massive change. The key is to be ready ahead of time. So if you're in peak week and you don't feel 100% on you know, you technically aren't really peaking. You're just managing maybe what currently is your best physique into this, into the stage. And uh, I think that's where, you know, let's say if someone's like, I've always done a burger and fries for peak week, you know, well, maybe they could look better without doing that. And you would never know if you, you know, don't try and I think what gets confused is, you know, a lot of these people who are doing some really random protocols, they were probably going to win anyhow, because they're just so incredibly gifted as an athlete. So, you know, if, if you take someone 20 pounds over their stage weight and you give them a burger and fries and they get fifth place, did they win? <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it's definitely not that magical, but if someone was going in, you know, kind of set to win anyhow. It's really hard to mess that up, you know. Um, even some of the, what people consider the best coaches in the game do some of this voodoo stuff and they don't even know why they um, do it. And uh, I know I remember when me and you made a podcast about the burger and fries and uh, Dave Palumbo and uh, that other guy, they made a rebuttal video about us, but they couldn't explain why their method worked. They, they said, we don't know why it just works. <laughs> well, so first of all, you, you answered that as well as I would have hoped, because I, I kind of lobbed in a little misdirection, a curveball to you in terms of saying, you know, can something extreme work? And you, you politely kind of leaned away and said, yeah, probably not. So that, that's where I really want people to consider home base. I, I was just talking to somebody. I don't know if it was Eric Helms or somebody else who maybe it was even Paul who's said, you know, they're, they're almost going to try and create a methodology where you literally change nothing. And I know people who have done that. People who have said, okay, I'm not going to do anything different peak week. I'm just doing my week just like normal. Macros the same. Workouts the same. I just happen to wake up and it's contest day. And they have found that that just works better. It's more predictable because 
homeostatically, all of those variables are in sync, they're predictable, there's something that you're already aware of and can more easily manage. Now, I, I think we can do a little bit better than that in terms of knowing where all those variables are, but I'll, I'll give you an example of a couple clients right now that I have, you know, very kind of in tandem working toward peak weeks right now. And, you know, both extremely lean, they're, they're on their game, they, they're ready on time, as you mentioned, uh, both in, in bikini divisions, and uh, we're in that progressive linear load phase. So as I said in my introductory remarks, still wanting to kind of err on being tight, we don't want to give up anything there, but food levels aren't that low. You know, these women are, you know, 14, 1500 calories as drug-free athletes, and then you know, we, we keep having to stair step carbs up every day or two, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit to guard against getting flat. A lot of that, I think, has to do with some of the adrenaline around peak week. People are in motion more. They're getting travel plans or getting home and work in order. Uh, just that mental anxiety, I think, has impact. So they're, they're burning more calories, perhaps a little bit. Uh, but the goal is to gradually push all of those variables to a place where you just don't have to do that much. I would say, I, I didn't know they made a rebuttal video. Um, I'm not against something like a burger and fries. If somebody can hold that much fat intake, you know, you're looking at 75 to hundred grams of fats in, in one meal, probably a couple grams of sodium, so you'd have to be pretty ectomorphic. You'd have to be pretty tight. You probably have a ways to go before you're really at that threshold of, of carb spillover. And some people can easily cross that line. I, I had a client at a, at a national show last year or, or the year before that I really did not know she was sodium sensitive. And just having a salad in a restaurant without extra starch, without extra fat, but there was a lot of sodium there she was up three or four pounds the next morning and very, very bloated, a lot of water retention. And luckily we had until later that afternoon to remedy that. Um, but little things like that can definitely throw you off your game. And I would, I would call that a serious catastrophe. If, if she had to be on stage that morning, we would have totally blown that entire prep on just that one decision. So I, I think a burger and fries, pretty aggressive. I mean, that's a, that's a big move. Maybe may the right call for some people, probably not most. Yeah, I think you're going to find that's a very rare um, protocol um, that actually works for somebody versus people just doing it to do it. And I'm not sure where it really started from. I think it actually did start from Dave Palumbo. He seems to really say this was my idea and it, has to be a McDonald's hamburger. He said there's something about the sodium in it. But the one thing I can say, at least it's consistent. You know, I, I get so many people that tell me they do the burger and fries protocol. Well, if you look at the variance between the burger and fries per, you know, place that you get it from, there's a huge caloric difference. So I would be very leery of any coach that gives you a burger and fries and doesn't have at least my fitness pal or something up to kind of cater. So these are the exact calories that you're going to get from that burger and fries, or maybe even more specifically the protein, carbs, and fats and the sodium. Um, if anything, it's just a full court shot at the buzzer, you know? 
Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I'll give you another example where I literally did create a catastrophe, sadly, for a client. And this is one of those lessons you learn along the way. You and I mention a lot that it takes a certain amount of time, a day or two to fully assimilate glucose that you consume in the form of carbohydrates into muscle glycogen. So if you're not carrying the muscle glycogen load that you want, at least a full day before the show, you're really not going to get that much benefit from carbohydrates. It's more of just a caloric placeholder. So I had a client one time, a pro who was an ectomorph and we just knew, you know, getting full was the name of the game for him. He was, he was as lean as you could be. I mean, just a, a brick wall, glute striations that you, that could cut steel. And yet when it was contest morning, I thought, man, I've got a great idea. This was early in my career. Let's go just get a massive stack of pancakes. Let's, you know, eight, 12 pancakes, syrup. You just, we just need to load you up. You're going to look like a monster on stage. He spilled over in a bad way. And I, I did not even think it was physiologically possible for him, but we had his glycogen levels probably close to being full. And if you cannot assimilate carbs that fast, which you can't, something I didn't appreciate then, you know, what's going to happen to that? So very similarly to the old school, just hyper carb method, you know, big backload. Uh, if you don't have time to assimilate that, you're going to run into that problem. And, and I see other people do that, maybe even in smaller amounts on contest day where they don't feel like they're full enough. So they just start shoveling carbs in, not realizing you should probably consider water first, maybe a mineral base, including sodium, and then, you know, perhaps just food in general is going to help meal to meal, uh, but not, not force feeding. Yeah. You, you really have to be careful closer to the show, how much you consume, because, you know, you're definitely not going to store that in the muscle tissue with clients like that, that maybe need some more tightness or spilled over, you know, you can definitely use some sodium to drive it into the tissue. Hopefully um, you can use some exercise to dissipate back down and maybe actually pull those carbs into the muscle tissue. So those aren't the most fun situations to deal with. I had a client who between prejudging and finals decided to combine two meals because they were so hungry and I could tell when they got back and, uh, you know, my only option was to give them bad news and say, you don't look as good as prejudging and you need to stand backstage with me and move some bands for a bit. But slowly but surely, we saw them tighten up and tighten up. So we just kept it moving. Probably the longest pump up I've ever had somebody do. We did about a half hour, let him lay down. And then I think we did another half hour before stage. Um, it was a very close overall and I don't think he would have gotten it had we not been backstage doing all that stuff prior. You know, I, I probably mentioned this before, but one of the best contest appearances I had almost ended in a catastrophe. So probably by far the leanest I had been as a pro. And I ended up um, really being pretty linear. You know, this is a little experimental for me toward the end of my career but I, I really just stayed pretty low on carbs all the way through, <clears throat> had zero carb fluctuations all the way through. And then I had decided, okay, I've paid the price. I'm quasi depleted. It's contest morning. Pro men are always up early, uh, you know, on stage at 9 a.m. or so in, in the WNBF. 
And so I decided, okay, I'm gonna have a big meal. Like this is the time to get loaded. I just need one good solid meal. And I had some steak and a potato, something like that. And it was, it was from a restaurant, a little high in sodium. About an hour later, it looked like eight weeks prior. I mean, I was spilling over so much. I, you just, just grab spillover on my abs and I had to do the same thing, Adam. I was outside walking. I was in the sun. I was drinking water, zero calories from that point on zero carbs. I literally had to use that, that glycogen and those calories and talk about just in the nick of time. I still did not feel confident, uh, ended up tying as the highest lightweight in this open pro class. And when I got the photos back from, you know, the stage photographer, I, I could not believe that I had tightened all the way back up, but it was just, you know, 30 minutes earlier on stage, an hour earlier, you know, I would have been in last place. It was just a literal disaster. So those are the kind of things when you make big decisions that you have not practiced and you do not know your body's reaction, you know, that's always the risk. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that kind of dynamic is so important too. Like you probably didn't do a pump up meal. You had plenty of circulating glycogen and you know, some people get mad at me if I don't give them their candy and five other people have it, you know, but there's a reason that we plan for that, but it's not always a given that you're going to have it. It's a check-in, it's assessing the situation. Um, luckily, most of the shows I've done have been on time and the peaks have gone very smoothly, but you know, there's times where I'm like, I don't want you to have any pump up candy. It's, it's, it's planned in there, but it's not always meant to have based on the situation. And I think uh, that's where people struggle as coaches or even clients because they look forward to that stuff. But at the end of the day, you can hold off on eating a piece of candy if you can hold off for 20 or 30 weeks, you know? Yep. Yep. Well, let's talk about the other end of the continuum, which is uh, just as dangerous for somebody who has a faster metabolism. But if you get too conservative, and like we said, it takes a certain amount of time to assimilate glycogen uh, in the muscle tissue, you know, there are people who you get into peak week and you're moving along, you think they're doing okay, you're giving them perhaps increasing amounts of food if you're doing a progressive linear load, and yet they just don't respond that much. They, they keep losing a little bit and they get a little flatter. And now you could be the evening before a, a contest or the day of, and they're just horrifically flat. And, and this is where, again, you can try to remedy that with just food, preferably carbs or preferentially, that's what most people would do. And, and that just may not work. You, you may have to do something else in terms of, you know, really forcing water and, and, not just sodium, but other minerals and, you know, maybe even the types of carbs, something a little bit simpler. So you are getting a, a little bit more immediate digestion. But I, I do find that if I'm being too conservative with some clients, Adam, that it's also a, a could be a pretty, pretty big regret, you know, that they, they could legitimately be the person who the day after the show says, wow, I wish I looked like this on stage. So do you have any, any methods that you really use or kind of a protocol in succession if, if somebody's really behind on filling up? Those are usually in my situation. Those, and, and I kind of bumped into this earlier this week with a client. Um, 
she was ready before the show, but she had ran a, a basically a relay marathon this weekend. And I told her it was fine. And I, I truly do believe that it was okay. She had this planned on Sunday for her peak week. So, you know, we allowed her to rest prior, but uh, she looked super flat yesterday, um, especially in the morning. She was just super stringy. Uh, so I wanted to give her a bump up that wouldn't just, you know, send her into a metabolic continuum where we were having a hard time filling up. So we also gave her some fats as well. And that seems to have slowed down the, her getting flat at least, but we're still not quite getting full. So catching it ahead of time and making the moves now, I would rather at this point in time, potentially see some spillover at night and, you know, wake up with that dissipation back to some flatness. So we're kind of trying to get her full. So we don't deal with a, we're stuck and we only have water and sodium to work with on show day. So doing everything we can now to put the carbs in the muscle tissue. Yeah, I, I did the exact same thing. I have a, a client right now that I thought, hmm, man, getting a little flat in the morning. I'm getting nervous. So we've been increasing carbs, as I said, exactly what you said this morning. I said, let's 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 bump fat up a little bit and protein just just so your body doesn't have to rely on carbs. We'll be a little bit more carb sparing with the extra nutrients. And then potentially with days left, we can start pulling back on activity. Let's prioritize rest and maybe not utilize as much expenditure. And, you know, those are the kind of things that if you have three or four days to start working on and you're seeing those trends ahead of time, so much easier than just waiting till the day of and realizing, man, I just held back too much. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that is kind of the person though, if, if you do end up in that scenario where you just know, you see it confirmed by their weight, you see it in the photos and you only have 24 hours or maybe even 12 hours before the stage, you may have to gamble on a larger meal. But again, it doesn't have to be a, a trash meal. It doesn't have to be a burger and fries. It doesn't have to be like all you can eat buffet, but it's, it's a matter of, okay, we definitely need to increase this. Let's have this. And, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you look this way, maybe have this little snack, but otherwise let me see what you look like right away in the morning. So it's, it is an around the clock scenario. And that's why I started off this podcast saying that it's really tough because we're talking about physique sport. It's not like we're curing cancer or winning, you know, billion dollar Super Bowl contracts. But at the same time, you've put four, five, six months of everything you have into this and it can just spin on a dime. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think we'll probably get some, uh, situations where people are curious about men who weigh in the night prior and uh, how that kind of applies if you're depleting them from a food perspective. But my philosophy is as long as they're digesting well, I use the same foods to fill them up as I did the whole week. Now, if digestion's getting a little wonky, you may throw something that's a little more calorically dense in but I try to make it something that they've had, or at least maybe had in the past couple of weeks, if at all possible. And I make sure that it's not such a, you know, change to the left versus the right. And uh, make sure that you just tap that person in the right direction. Some of the weigh-in scenarios are a little bit more difficult with men 
And uh, it does require them to sometimes suck down a eight to 10 pounds from where they actually compete on stage. But that's more a water thing versus a food thing. Um, granted, I maybe do pull food down the day before, so there's not as much in their stomach. But just because of that initial depletion doesn't mean that they need a whole, you know, rallies, uh, you know, number three, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are certainly people that I've had to use peak week, as I mentioned earlier for myself is very linear, very low staying depleted for that way in or for that look. And then you're exactly right. You're, you're artificially acutely suppressing the metabolism a little bit. You're probably going to have a two, two types of rebound effect. As long as you don't cross the line into spillover, you're probably going to love the way you look, you know, even after one meal and some hydration, you're going to start filling up. If you're patient and you let your body utilize the food, make sure you're completely empty before you eat again, then even some liquid calories can be helpful. You know, I, I will often in that scenario have clients start with, with rehydration and then perhaps even a, a liquid meal first, you know, some just, just protein powder with, with a Gatorade or something. And then we'll start moving into whole foods because it's, especially if it's a full on, like they have eaten and had very little to drink in the last 24 hours for a weigh-in and you have less than a day now before you're on stage, that's a, a dicey situation for sure. Absolutely. I had an interesting peak week. I wouldn't say it's a complete catastrophe, but definitely uh something that I didn't catch until I got this girl ready for her next show. Uh, she was always under the impression you always cut artificial sweeteners no matter what um, during your peak week. And, you know, I never mentioned that to her. This is something that her previous coach had gotten in her head. And, you know, she dropped her creatine, which was in her pre-workout during her peak week. She did about 10 days out and I felt like she was getting flatter and I didn't know why, because the carbs were, you know, getting much higher. I kept adding more and she just wasn't quite as full as I thought that I could get her. She stayed on point. We go through our next four weeks of prep and her weight goes up three pounds, just out of nowhere, I'm trying to figure out why, because not a whole lot had changed calorically. And she said, well, that's probably because I add my creatine back in when I add my sweeteners. And I thought, holy shit, you pulled your creatine to basically, which probably made you look worse because creatine holds water in the muscle tissue. So we kept that in this time and made good difference. You know, when you're lean enough and you're just pushing that muscle up against the skin, it made a major difference. And uh, I think that's something that a lot of coaches don't explore when they kind of make rules for everyone that clients will sometimes pull things they shouldn't be pulling just for something really silly, like an artificial sweetener that more than likely if they were having it all prep and they're not super bloated, it's probably not even an issue for them. It's a really good topic. And I'll just broaden it a little bit to say during peak week, you, you really shouldn't change a ton, but, but probably leading up to peak week, I hope you are reviewing how your body is reacting to different foods. How, how much variety do you have in your food sources? 
Um, it's probably a time to get a little bit more routine and a little bit more structure so you can have that predictability. Um, but also, you know, do consider some of the foods that may not travel well with you. What, what will you not be able to take? Do you, if you need to make those replacements, start making them early, uh, you know, gut microbiome changes can take days to weeks and that can have an effect. So some people don't even realize that they're just putting up with a bad digestion. You know, if, if you constantly have just bloating, constipation, gas, loose stools, anything like that, I mean, geez, like figure that out way before peak week. You know, you shouldn't be experiencing that at all. And if you do, there's probably an offending food or even supplement causing it. So get those things squared away. Don't expect, you know, peak week to fix things like that. Uh, especially if you're making changes, as I'm describing for potential travel, you know, your likelihood of making things worse is just as high as making them better. Yeah, a lot of people don't consider, you know, digestion for show day. You definitely don't want to take something new and it be too fast on show day. So you really do. I, I think women really normalize bloating a lot more than they should. And uh, they don't think about it until show day. Or I think they've been ignored by so many coaches that they just say, oh, you're bloated, but we'll just keep giving you the same thing, same foods anyhow, just give you macros and here you go. Yeah. I mean, harsh fiber, too much raw fiber, things like that. Uh, like I said, some supplements are, are, you know, create some, some GI upset uh, and that becomes very perpetual because you don't really think of a supplement doing that, but even, even vitamins can do that. So um, I I'm kind of running out of my list of potential catastrophes or at least normal ones, but as a way of just backing up and seeing the full picture, Adam, I, I think it really does come down to being in that position as we've talked about with the progressive linear load, with even metabolic building and, and being ready so early that you can bring calories up that reduces insulin sensitivity and risk of spillover, all of those things that can improve your chances of looking your best. But then during that week, you know, I mean, think of those two words, progressive and linear. If you're going to be just very, very linear, and maybe because you have a pretty slow metabolism and you know you could spill over quickly, there's nothing wrong with respecting that and knowing exactly what you do need to fill up at the end and being conservative. I mean, sometimes a conservative approach is the best for those people who do need to be at a little bit higher level and come in that way doesn't mean you have to ramp up in X, Y axis like this, just because you're an ectomorph. If you start a little higher and you can maintain a, a slower, you know, calorie increase curve on the way up, that could be helpful. And then lastly, even though we're talking about not doing anything gimmicky, since we know that to get full without the risk of spillover is not necessarily going to be carbs, carbs, carbs on contest day, because of those assimilation limitations, you know, do think about water. I would even consider something like you just mentioned a little extra creatine on contest morning. If you think that could, could help with fullness. Uh, some people often ask, you know, Hey, can I take my pre-workout instead of a, you know, food pre pre pump up, you know, instead of having these carbs, maybe I feel better with just you know, a, a higher amount of hydration, but now it's got that little caffeine, maybe some NO2 or something. And I've seen that work really well. So that's almost a conservative step leading in, but it, it can have good impact depending on the context you're in. Yeah, absolutely. As long as they're meeting the criteria, I'll sometimes get some girls to get 
super vascular in their midsection. And sometimes we'll kind of pull those pump products. Uh, I just, for bikini, I don't think that's the best look is having the massive amount of veins going across the stomach, but that's, that's very few and far between. I run into that. It's usually my pro women that will uh, be at that level of conditioning and maybe have that level of vascularity, but it, it does happen. And sometimes that small nuance makes a big difference to, you know, fit the criteria. Well, Adam, this, this ended up being a little bit more advanced than I thought it might. And I think that's because we put out so much information in contest prep university already. It's hard to back up all the way to the basics, but anybody watching or listening, if you, if you have other questions more specific for you or anything we missed, feel free to ask. Uh, but I, I really do think this was true to our intent, which is let's look at the big issues that could cause problems and wipe them out. Let's get everybody to the point where you're already at 90 to 95% at your best. And then how can you fine tune your way in those last couple of days to really be at your best? It's gosh, I want to say it's not that difficult because it's not. But as I said earlier, I know what rides on this. I know how much anxiety, I know how much work you've already put into it. So it, it's something to really experience, take good notes and consider every time that you do compete, every time you peak, if you get to these little levels that you, you know are so much better than you've ever performed, better than you've ever looked, then you can keep adding and adding and adding and experimenting just a little bit. And I think everybody can really find, even though every contest is different, they can find the things they need to focus on individually to always be their best. Absolutely. And just a listener note, if you uh, if your coach gives you a burger and fries, just ask him what wow. macros, and then you'll know your answer if it's the right move or not. And ask why. <laughs> See if they can explain that. And ask why. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, Adam. Thank you guys again for watching and listening. We will see you next time in Contest Prep University.